This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. I want to talk about strategic sales performance improvement today. A lot of our sales performance improvement come down to tactics, slight shifts in interactions or key steps in our sales process. Or when I think of non-strategic sales performance improvement, I think of just improving or increasing the numbers. What I want to do is versus focus on the numbers or a specific tactic. I want to focus on how we can impact performance improvement with our sales team or ourselves for an individual salesperson by really focusing on a shift in our strategic thinking. So what I've identified here is three levers that we can pull that can change the way we think or approach the marketplace that can impact our overall sales performance consistently. So when we look at these levers, in many cases, we're thinking tactically, like I talked about before, but really, I want us to move into strategy. Now, the reality is the strategy can also be impacted by tactics. So for instance, if your overall strategic shift for your organization is to focus on larger accounts or more complex, profitable deals, yet on the front line, our salespeople are still using closing or interviewing tactics that are more geared to small to medium-sized industry, then what occurs is we're not going to achieve our strategic result because they're really geared towards closing smaller deals. That's also why sometimes tactics can actually drive strategy in the future. We look at, hey, we're able to close these types of accounts. They seem to be most responsive to our marketing, to our sales strategy, our sales process. That must be our ideal market then because they convert easily. But the reality is it's actually our tactics which are geared towards a specific segment. So often when we're strategically looking at developing new types of targets in the marketplace, going after new opportunities or evolving our, our organization from an external perspective on who we're going after with clients and changing our brand, we have to remember our sales tactics have to support our shift in sales strategy. So there's three levers and the three I'm going to focus on today are business acumen building. And beyond just building business acumen, what does a good business acumen building system look like for us? And the importance of building acumen in our sales team. This can be an, a, a very important strategic shift in our sales performance. A-zone pipeline management only. Any of you who have been to any of my seminars or listened to a few other podcasts, you know I talk about the A-zone or the 80-20 rule on a regular basis. I'm going to talk a little bit more about in this podcast how we can strategically approach our pipeline in an A-focused manner and what that will do for our sales productivity and performance overall. And then lastly, I want to talk about the in-between meetings. So one of the areas that we can shift our thinking strategically and improve our performance and our pipeline and our referrals, our size of deals and our renewals is actually systemizing and focusing on what I like to call in-between meetings, which I mentioned in my last podcast, which is about investing in value-added interactions over time with key accounts outside the key steps in the sales process and in between the key steps in the sales process. So acumen developing system. Number one, what is a system? I talk about a system, really what is it? There's a number of things that can go into a sales or business system, but for me it's process, methodology, technology, and accountability. That's really what it's all about. It's a good system, has a solid process or steps. It's got solid methodology and around what to do at each step. It's 
powered by technology and it's got built-in accountability to get these steps done in the process in the right way with the right technology. So that's really what I'm talking about when I talk about building a system. So acumen in many cases is the missing link for most would-be value sellers and trusted advisors. Very simply, what I mean by this is that a four can't lead a nine. So it's a nice thing to say to our sales team, hey, you need to lead the customer of the sales process. You need to ask them great questions and offer value-added insights. But if my client's knowledge is way up here of the industry, their needs, what's happening in the marketplace and their customers, and I only have a very fundamental understanding, how am I supposed to add value through conversation? It's not really going to work. It also is not going to allow me to ask the right questions to unearth the core client drivers and also open their eyes to other opportunities for us to help them. And so building acumen is vital if you actually want to execute around most modern sales strategies. Most modern sales strategies really focus on helping salespeople move from just being an order taker or a person who goes through a script of questions and actually step out of the script and be a value-added conversationist and partner with that client. We can't do that without building business acumen. I think I probably could have spent this entire podcast kind of an expanded version of it, maybe I'll do that in the future, on really the importance of and how to build your business acumen. I think too many salespeople think they need more leads and a lot of times sales management thinks we need more leads coming in the funnel because our people are only converting, you know, six to 10% of the leads that we actually book appointments with or that we've actually engaged online. But the reality is in many cases, what's missing is their ability to convert, not to generate more leads. And the, one of the biggest sources of that pain is lack of business acumen. They don't have credibility or traction in a powerful way in conversations with customers. So let's talk about building our business acumen. And this is something we have to all continually do. This is not about gaining information or insights once, learning my company's products, learning about our market, and just getting on the phone and dialing and doing outreach and selling. It's making acumen building an important and regular part of our process. So when I think about business acumen, let's start even with discovery conversations. Is number one, before I start picking up the phone or reaching out to clients, do I know our key market segments? And then do I know their business, their clients, their industry, and their market intimately as a sales professional? Do I understand their top five to 10 goals, challenges, and hurdles? And that is of the typical client in my industry. I'm going to drill down through conversation to find them specific to that client. But let's say I'm focusing on the telecommunications industry for small to mid-sized telecom companies throughout the United States, let's say. Then for those types of companies, what are the typical five to 10 major goals, challenges, and hurdles they're facing right now in the marketplace? And then do I know how we solve those challenges uniquely or which of those challenges we, we solve better than anybody else in the marketplace? So do I know this? Have I spent time to educate myself? Have I as a sales leader then, and we'll talk about how to do this later on, provided my team the insights, the resources, and the tools to actually discover these things and help them develop the principles and the expectations that they're continually educating themselves as sales professionals around this. Then the key is once you know all these things, for me when I'm doing discovery conversations or meetings, is I wanna build questions that unearth those top five to 10 things that we can really impact in a unique and powerful and competitive way. 
So I'm going to do a needs analysis or discovery meeting, and I'm going to ask some of the typical questions a salesperson asks, but not too many. What I really want to do is focus on asking the questions that unearth those drivers. I'm also going to be continuing looking for industry authorities and really geek out on trends, technology, news, advancements on a regular basis. So great salespeople today, I believe, are great students of their client, their industry, and their marketplace who self-educate on a continual basis, almost daily basis. And that's how you move from being you know, a 4 out of 10 in knowledge trying to sell to a 9 out of 10 to a peer or above who's specialized in industry insights and knowledge. So how do we do this? I'm going to give you sort of a, a real quick shopping list of all the ways that you as an individual salesperson or as a sales leader you want to put together for your team. Number one, industry and persona specific training for our team. I have a client that sells assessment tools into specific industries. And one of the things they do with new salespeople is they actually get those salespeople to go through fundamental training around how to be successful in the role of their customer. So if you were selling into, let's say, a service manager at a car dealership, they would actually put you through a training program on the, on the service manager 101 and to really understand that role of your customer. Why? So that you can see through their eyes, have true empathy, understand not just my product and how it benefits them, but understanding holistically the day in the life of our ideal decision maker within our ideal client. Then our overall business or industry ongoing education. So do we have that set up? So we've got a series of resources, conferences, webinars, you name it, that they can access. Then what I'd suggest, and this is something that a couple of my clients do, is they do a state of the industry or region stand-up meeting once a week. And each person on the sales team is actually responsible for sharing new insights that they've garnered in the marketplace, things that are happening, shift from a competitive perspective. It could be regulations. It could be the marketplace. It could be consumer shifts, but anything that impacts their customer. Attending conferences, industry magazines and portals. At the end of the day, just getting to know our clients intimately. And, having, and we do this by having client focus and use case meetings. So one of the best ways to figure out how your solution impacts your clients in a positive way is sit down with your happy clients who've implemented your solutions long after you've closed the deal, have a lunch with them or do a Zoom meeting and interview them a bit and understand how they're using your solution, how it's impacted them, what you could do better. But overall, by doing this on a regular basis with our key accounts, we start to really understand and also collect great case studies and stories that we can use in our sales process later on. Listen to calls of other team members, of course. Lunches with our own internal team members and experts. So in a lot of cases, as a salesperson, if I'm selling technology, for instance, for my company, when's the last time the sales team had a lunch with the CTO and their product development team to talk about what those people are seeing as happening in the marketplace and what they're working on and why. So developing a real intimate understanding of your product and your solutions and where it's evolving to. And then just a list of must follow industry leaders. As a sales leader, do I have a top 10 list or top five list of industry leaders that my salespeople should be following on a regular basis? So how do I build an acumen system out of this? Well, number one, what I would suggest is how do you take this from a great idea to systemizing it, making part of your training and development, is number one, know your knowledge and competency map. What do your people need to know? What do they need to be experts in and learn on a continual basis? 
quiz, quiz them on industry knowledge, right? You can do this formally and informally. You can actually have written quizzes or you can just question them and ask them questions in your stand-up meetings and even do role plays and see how well they use industry insights and information on in a sales scenario. Obviously listen to their calls and meetings and check for application of the principles and even have a scorecard or at least a checklist that they need to have a handle on. What are the things they really need to know and check in on a regular basis with them and then make it a KPI or key performance indicator and even part of their compensation and progression plan where they need to stay updated and continually educate themselves. So why do this? And as a salesperson, if you're listening to this going, that's a lot of pressure on me here. And do I really want my management leaning on me with my acumen? They're doing you a favor. If you can expand your knowledge, become an expert and a true resource to your client, everything from prospecting to opportunity and development, to networking, to your discovery calls, to your demos, to your ability to take what they've told you and show them why your solution can impact their business in a way that makes them want to do business with you, all happen from building that business acumen. So that's the big one, that's lever one, and they're all built upon this, in my opinion. The second lever, which I'm not gonna spend as much time on here, is the A-zone pipeline management. So we look at our entire pipeline a lot of times. It goes, how much money or deals is in your sales pipeline? And I say, well, I've got you know a million dollars in there, potential business. But then when I start to look at, let's take a look at everybody who's stalled or hasn't moved in the pipeline and you kind of shave those off and you look at who is progressing and moving on and I'm staying engaged with on a regular basis. That's a bit more of a realistic look on who's really in our pipeline. A lot of cases, some of them are just stuck and they're going to stay there forever or fall out. But then on the next level is what's our strategic pipeline. And so when I think of strategic pipeline, when I'm really looking at what's the likely value of this pipeline, one of the biggest indicators for me isn't the number of dollars, it's the number of A category opportunities and the dollars associated with them. So our A's, of course, are 20 percenters that give us 80% of our business. We should understand who those are within our CRM, but also within the marketplace. And I want to know if I'm managing performance, I want to actually look at focusing on the A's. And that means how many, how many do we add on a monthly basis to our pipeline? That salesperson, how many A's have you taken from a suspect to a prospect to at least booking a first meeting with them? How many have you added to the pipeline at that stage? And then how many have we moved through a fulcrum step? And what I mean by a fulcrum step is depending upon your organization, you'll have a certain step in your sales process where things begin to flow. So in my business, almost always a fulcrum step is the needs analysis. If I get a client on the phone for a discovery call, if it's a deal, if there's a match, if they're true A, there's a high likelihood it's going to move forward. So that's a fulcrum step. So how many people have I moved through that step? Now, for a client of mine, for them, it doesn't matter how many of those beautiful discovery meetings where we're all happy together uh, and things seem like they're going to go well happen. For them, it's actually the number of quotes and proposals they ship on a monthly basis. That's their key performance indicator that they can tell in X weeks they're gonna have revenues on the board. So I would look at those two KPIs only and really work as a team to focus on them is how many A's we're adding and how many we're moving through that fulcrum step. Not how many deals, not how many C's and B's, not how many kind of really truly not qualified prospects, but the true A's. And that will give you a better idea from a forecasting perspective. Now, why A's for me? An A doesn't mean the biggest prospect. 
It means one that truly is ideal. Your ideal for them as a supplier and their ideal for you as a client. This is a truly good fit. And when you find those types of clients, number one, they convert more often, they convert quicker. It's easier to drive customer success and success stories. They're easier to maintain. And almost always, a happy A who's ideal for you is also often our best referral source. So it has this knock-on effect that not only are they larger and more profitable deals in most cases, but they convert more often and quicker, and they also precipitate into better referrals and less stress on our customer service system or our actual delivery side of our business, whatever solution we're selling. So how do we go from, how do we get a bit strategic and tactical with implementing this one performance improvement piece? Number one, obviously define our A's, is understanding who our true A category prospects and clients are. Number two, invest in acumen around those specific A segments. So it's not about knowing the whole marketplace, but becoming an expert in our A category prospects, their clients, their target market, everything I talked about before. Number one, definitely lock in our calendar from a time perspective, there are, there are a proper amount of time to actually go after these accounts. I've talked about this before, but for me, I think 25% or more time from a conquest perspective should be in our schedule on a weekly basis, but also not just time. So time blocking is important but allocation of resources. So what I mean by this is that what resources do I need to allocate as a sales leader? What resources do I need to lobby upper management or the marketing team or production or whoever it might be to support the sales team in actually selling to these A's? Is it getting into the right events? Is it giving them more resources from a marketing perspective? Is it, get, is it getting a sales admin person to help the team? Uh, you know, a full-time researcher, whatever that might be, what resources they need to focus strategically, and then compensate more for A's. So I would look at even within my performance management from a, a rewards perspective is it's great that they brought in a million dollars of revenues, but a certain percentage of it has to be conquest or new business. And within that, a certain percentage should be A accounts based upon the definition you give them. They get a bit of a top up or an additional bonus for focusing on our ideal client that fits where we want our business model to go. And lastly, fine-tune collateral budgets and mentorship on this segment. So that's the second big lever. So the in-between meetings, this is the last one, and this kind of piggybacks on the first two, is that many deals are closed and decisions are made outside of the sales or buyer steps. In informal meetings, sidebar conversations, the meeting after the meeting, or even bumping into someone accidentally on purpose in the community or an organizational event. Also, it's just because relationships take more effort and frequent engagements than most sales processes allow or need. So you're in between key steps of the deal. You've got everything. Now there's this sort of radio silence for a month. What are we doing to fill that silence? Sometimes it's the in-between meetings. It's value added, just nurturing. But even after a deal's closed and they're going to buy from us again a year from now or six months from now, are we leaving it till month five? Or do we have in-between meetings or value-added interactions that actually help increase our mind share, therefore our wallet share, and expand the relationship? Also, when you have meetings that are outside of the typical sales process, you're actually allowed to, or you're able to, practice deep listening with an agenda and build trust. 
Also, space changes context, mood, and relationship dynamics. So what I mean by this is often in the sales process, maybe I'm always on a Zoom call with them and it's timed and it's my sort of very, you know, this brick background behind me. And from this perspective, you know, there's not a lot to go on here. There's no warm fuzzies we get out of this. But if I can take that same client and just let them know I'm going to be in their area and do they mind if I pop in for 20 minutes and say hello or invite them out for lunch or a coffee or to an event, these types of things where I can move someone out of the office space or a formal rigid environment and into a more casual, relaxed atmosphere actually can change the dynamic in the relationship. One of the things I'll do is if there's major events in town occurring that I feel my clients would find valuable, I buy a ticket for myself, but I always buy an extra ticket and buy a, invite out a key client who I know is open to maybe expanding the relationship uh, and that there would be value in building the relationship for both of us. And I often bring them to an event with me. So I never go to an event alone, if at all possible. But many times those in-between meetings, those conversations, the casual ones, actually help me understand them better and what motivates them in life and their business. And it really just makes it easier to grow the account, retain the account. And actually for me as a sales professional, it makes it more worthwhile. Actually, people like to do business with people who they like. And that goes for the seller too. I get to know people, I enjoy them, and it just makes it easier and my work more value-added as well. So make it part of your activities. So invite clients to lunch on a frequent basis. Actually set a goal or a KPI for that. How many of my key accounts or potential key accounts am I inviting out on a monthly or weekly basis? Maybe suggesting a meetup between steps of a long sales cycle to review notes, check in, confirm things haven't changed, uh, you know, make sure that we're on the right path. Do an after sales service audit. So this is something we can do, I mentioned this earlier, is set a goal that with each account at certain milestones after you've sold them, that the salesperson checks in with them again. Even if there's a customer success team, I think it's important the salesperson who started the relationship originally does this, because that's gonna drive a maybe a different perspective, maybe they'll get some different information than the customer success team gets, they wanna share that of course, but also, what it also does in many cases is it plants the seed for referral business as well. Attend industry events where you can bump into them. So this is another way that you can kind of manufacture these sidebar or informal conversations is making sure you're out at industry and community events where your key accounts or key prospects are on a regular basis. Engage them on social media often so you know that I'm a big advocate of social selling. And these little casual, quick conversations or messages that we send to people or we congratulate people on stuff and we ask them key questions, sometimes that can actually precipitate into a deeper conversation and a really valid reason to pick up the phone and say hello. And then of course, participate in client events. If they're doing things in the community, if they're holding festivals and conferences and trade shows, if the CEO is invited to speak at another conference, find a way to be there to engage them and meet their team. And again, create some more in-between casual but vital meetings with your key accounts. So these are three levers. So the three levers, again, if we look at it, is number one, manage these in-between meetings by measuring it as part of your cadence. Give people a time and money budget they must spend on A's. So this is important. Like here's your budget. From a time perspective, I expect you to be spending 25% of your proactive time on A's. In addition to this, Here's your budget per A that you should be spending from a dollar perspective on entertaining them, lunches, value-added interactions, you name it. And then make a list of gifts, value-added tools, meeting types your team can use to engage 
sort of less formally and have a pre-meeting question sheet built or at least get them in the habit of pre-planning these get-togethers so that although it's a casual meeting, are there two or three key questions I'm gonna ask that key account or client that might move the conversation in a certain direction? So here's a summary for our podcast today. Number one, strategic improvement is not just about improving our activities or tactics, but changing the way we think. And so this podcast is really devoted to thinking like a business person and being strategic about who we engage and deepening those relationships, but not just as a principle, but developing habits and processes and measurements and rewards around that new thinking. So it's really about investing, becoming more valuable and credible. So that's about tracking education and application with your team and making sure that they're continually educating themselves and that you almost have mapped out to them what knowledge they should have and you've given them the tools to educate themselves continually on them. Switch your focus to your A pipeline. So yeah, you might have a million or $2 million in the pipeline as a salesperson, but how many of those are A's? And how many of them have you been in touch with on a regular basis? And this will give us a better idea of our true value of our pipeline. And we switch our focus also by prioritizing time, resources, and building that acumen on our A's. And lastly, we want to establish a deep relationship and better positioning through in-between meetings by making them part of our process. So versus a nice-to-have or an afterthought, with my key accounts and my CRM, do I have a way to track and actually schedule tasks specifically related to these non-sales process steps or meetings where I'm outside of that framework but I'm building a relationship, gathering intelligence and expanding my knowledge of that customer in a way that I have a much better stronghold than my transaction-focused competitor. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net.